Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Everybody good? Yeah, hey, if you want to open up your Bibles to John chapter 15, that's where we're at this morning. This is still Easter season in the church calendar. This is a little moment called Easter Tide. There are several weeks here, and we're just, we're staying in it. And this morning's passage is out of John chapter 15. And I specifically want to talk to you this week about remaining in Jesus. And you'll see why here in just a moment, because Jesus talks about this quite a bit. But I also just want to say that this is, this is one heck of a passage. I mean, this one, this is one of those little moments in the scriptures that is both deep and wide, and it really is going to strip our ability to, to actually adequately give it what it deserves on a Sunday morning. So I'd encourage you to like maybe spend some time in that this week. This is a passage that is practical. This is a passage that is like deeply theological. It's encouraging, and we're not going to be able to touch it all. Okay, so really all I'm going to do is I want to focus in on one thing this morning and I want to talk to you about remaining in Jesus. But first, we should probably read some scripture. So John chapter 15, we're only going to read eight verses. That's the passage this morning. And uh, here's what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, and you are the branches Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and they're burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you you may ask me anything you want and it'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples This brings great glory to my Father. That's our passage this morning. And before we get in it, I I also just want to say this is one of those passages that's not just important for the church, but this is a passage that's important uh, to the vineyard, uh, maybe because it has vineyard imagery in it. And by the vineyard, I mean not just this local church, but I mean like the global vineyard, the global around the world vineyard. You might be here this morning and wondering, what are you talking about? Well, Uh, Even here in the United States, there's about 600 vineyard churches kind of like this. And around the world, there's like 3,200, I think now, uh, the last numbers I saw. And this is a a passage that's historically important to our little corner of the church. Uh, We're just one little thread in the tapestry that makes up the global church. And this is one of those passages that's deeply important to us. In fact, the founder of the vineyard was a man named John Wimber from uh, Southern California. And John had a, he wrote a song, like the vineyard has always been a worshiping church and a, and a worshiping community and a songwriting community. And uh, like John Wimber had a song and it, it was called, uh, it was taken straight from this, this passage. Maybe, maybe you've heard it. Have, maybe some of you have, probably most of you haven't. It. Uh, it's uh, this, little, this little song. 
I am the vine, and you are the branches. Keep me abiding in you. Have you all heard that little tune? Probably not, right? But this is a deeply important tune to us. So this morning, this is not just for like people who believe in Jesus. This is a passage for vineyard people. For us to lean in and go, oh, this is something that is given that is given our little corner of the church shape for a really, really long time. And one of the reasons that I want to talk to you about it. But I want to talk to you about remaining in Jesus. And the first thing that I want you to notice here is just the simple layout of this passage. It's, it's a parable. Did you notice that? It, it's a parable that's so quick you might, you might miss it. Jesus says that he is the what? Jesus is the vine. Jesus' father is what? The vine dresser or the gardener, the pruner, right? The guy who manages the vineyard. And then what are we? We're the branches. So we're the branches. Jesus is the vine. And the father is the vine dresser. And the second thing I want you to notice in this passage, beyond the fact that it's a parable, that it includes us, and that everybody's got a little role, I hope you notice that this is a word that Jesus is giving giving to his disciples, okay? This is not a word that Jesus gives to the crowds. This is a word that Jesus gives to the disciples. So if you're here this morning because you wanted to be a disciple, or if you're here because you've been trying to be a disciple, well, this is a word for you. It's really not a, it's not a word for the whole world. It's for people who want to be disciples of Jesus. And by the way, the word disciple just means learner or student. Like if you want to be a student of Jesus, not just to know things about Jesus, but to be someone who ends up being like him. That's really what it's about. Well, then this is a word for you. And I, I just want to tell you one thing from my own story. I'm, I'm 42. Next week, I'll be 43. I've been, I've been a, a disciple of Jesus for over three decades. I've been maybe longer than that because I grew up in a Christian home. But in terms of like when I wanted to be a disciple and I was trying to do whatever it is that Jesus was doing, I've been doing that for over 30 years. And I, I just want to tell you, I'm still fascinated by Jesus. Like, read the story of Jesus and uh, pick any gospel. Like, even pick Mark, the shortest gospel, right? Pick the gospel of Mark, read it, and read it this afternoon. You could read it in maybe a couple hours this afternoon. And when you're finished reading the gospel of Mark, tell me what fault you find in Jesus. You know, this is one of the things I've been thinking about lately. Like I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years. He's not just an academic pursuit, but it's like personal. Uh, We're connected by the spirit. And after 30 years, I'm still fascinated by Jesus. And every time I return to the gospels, I can find no fault in him. You know, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? Why, Why am I saying that? Because it means there's, there's value in being a student of Jesus. Like don't be a student of someone who's jacked up, right? You know, like we eventually find the jacked up parts of everyone else. But one of the wonderful things about being a student of Jesus is what fault can you find in him? And after 30 years, he's still fascinating. And these are the words that he gives us this morning because we are his disciples. And here's the main thing I want to show you from this passage. The main thing is this. I hope you noticed that if Jesus is the vine and we're the branches... If his father is the gardener, I hope you notice that this is really a passage about connection, isn't it? 
We've been talking about this for a little while. We've been talking about on Sunday mornings several times lately about how life is connection. Everything in life. Like if you want life, what you're really saying is that you want, you want to be connected. Like plants need to be connected to the soil in order to grow. Uh, babies need to be connected to their mother's breasts in order to grow and to live. Uh, communities, like if you want to be a vibrant person, you have to be connected to other people. You can't live an isolated life and, and have any kind of like life. Uh, it's just another word for connection. And here's Jesus telling us another parable that is, that is actually, it's saying the same thing, right? He's saying that he's the vine and we'll just do a little, we'll do a little horticulture here for a moment. Uh, what he means by the vine is he means that thick part that comes out of the ground. How many of you have ever been to a vineyard or seen a vineyard or, or like looked at some grapes, you know? There's that vine that comes out of the ground and it's thick and if it's been trained, they'll train it to a wire and it'll go kind of like to the right and then to the left and then out of that thick vine, all of these branches come up, don't they? And Jesus says, well, I'm the vine. I'm like, I'm like the root. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, the stump. I'm the I'm the, the thick thing here that's giving life. And he says to his disciples, you're the branches and you're coming out of me, right? And what Jesus is saying there in this parable, at least, at least initially is, uh, this is a parable about connection. And many of you in this room know, um, my family and I, we, we have a vineyard. We have about six and a half or seven acres of grapes. And there's thousands of grapes out there and we make wine. And let me just tell you a little something about vines and branches. It's amazing. We've been, we've been growing these for 14 years. And even after 14 years, we, still all, we know almost nothing compared to some people. When it comes to grapes and when it comes to viticulture and when it comes to making wine, there's so much to know. You can spend your whole life and you'll, you'll only know a little tiny section, right? But one of the things I do know after 14 years is, I know this, that the place where the vine becomes the branches it's, it's indistinguishable. Uh, here's what I mean by this. Like if you, if you look at a grapevine that's really beautiful and it's, and it's cared for and it's trained and it's on the trellis, uh, you, can, you can go to the edge of the canopy up top and you can clearly see what is the branch, right? And if you go down to the bottom and you look at the thick part, maybe right where it comes out of the ground, Almost, it's, it's almost looks like a stump. It's, it's, it'll be shaggy. It'll be, it, it has, it, it's just, it's amazing. It looks like a little tree, right? Uh, if you go down there, you can go, oh, that's definitely the vine. And so at the either end, it's very, very easy to see which part is the branch and which part is the vine. But where the branch becomes the vine or where the vine becomes the branch, it is indistinguishable. You cannot find the place where it stops being the vine and starts being the branch. You cannot find the place where the branch stops being the branch and starts being the vine. This is a parable about connection. And here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples, to people who actually want to learn from him, to be like him, right? He's saying, he's saying that we are connected and we're not just connected at like a surface level. He's saying that there is a connection uh, with us that is, that is seamless, that is immediate, that is from one to another. Uh, Jesus is not saying to his disciples, um, I'm the bricks and you're the mortar. Jesus is not saying, I'm the hammer and you're the nails, right? Uh, Jesus is not saying, I'm the feet and you're the shoes, 
Uh, all of those, there's some separation and there's more clearly defined borders and boundaries, right? No, Jesus is saying, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And there is, it's literally seamless. Like I would invite everyone here in the church to come out to my vineyard at some point and to take a walk and go and look. And what you will see is this powerful truth that the vine is connected to the branches and you cannot tell where one stops and the other begins. Well, what does that mean for us? Well, here's what it means for us. It means, it means that, there, that we're not separated. We are not separated from God. You know, like you might feel this morning separated from God. You might even think, you might even think this. You might even think, oh, there were, there were times earlier in my life where I was more connected to God. Or you might feel like there are seasons earlier in your life or at some other place where you were closer to God. And I want to tell you that if you're a disciple of Jesus this morning, if you're hoping to be a student, if you're trying to learn from him, if you want to remain in his words, as he says in this passage, uh, you are not separated from God. You are not separated from Jesus. And you are no further away from him today than you ever felt like you were before. No, you are in him. He's in you. I mean, this is what he says in John chapter 14. He does that weird thing where he says, I'm in you and you're in me. And we're in the Father. I don't know what that means, but it seems good, right? Yeah. But he says it again here in John chapter 15. He just, he just flips it around. He says, I'm the, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Uh, here's what it means. We can draw from the life of God today. Like you have resources you don't know. And I don't mean that in some name it and claim it like super gospel thing. I just mean that there is divine life available for you today uh, to produce the fruit of the Spirit to produce the life of Jesus. Like there's resources available to you today. Like the vine is sending you water. The vine is sending you life. The vine is sending you everything you need. And here's the second thing I want to say about, about this connection. Not only is it seamless, not only is it present even when you don't feel like it, but the life of the kingdom, uh, here's what it means. It means it's not produced in your own strength. Like the disciples do not produce the life of Jesus by their own efforts. Disciples do not produce the life of Jesus by trying hard. Uh, disciples do not produce the life of the kingdom by working really, really hard. No, no, no. We, we produce the life of the kingdom by maintaining a connection to Jesus. It's the vine that gives the strength to the branches. It's the vine that is pulling nutrients out of the ground and sending it to the canopy. And in fact, I want you to know this. There is a really quiet resurrection metaphor in what Jesus is saying. If he's the vine, how many of you know that vines have roots that go where? Down into the ground. Read for that burial. And roots pull life out of the ground. Water, minerals, nutrients, and they go where? Up. And it goes where? Up the vine, into the branches, into the sunlight. This is a resurrection story from Jesus, and here's what it means. It means that disciples have divine life in them right now. Uh, the life of the age to come, the life of the kingdom, resurrection life is literally coming out of the ground, not from some far off place, but from Jesus. Like resurrection life is available to disciples. It's not in your strength. It's not in your efforts. It's not in your smarts. It's not in your gifts or abilities divine life is coming out of the ground. It's coming out of death, out of dark places, out of hiddenness, out of concealment. It's coming out of those places 
up through Jesus to us right now, and it's not in our strength. What do we do? We just stay connected to Jesus. That's what we do. Make it the goal of your life to be and to stay connected to Jesus. Man, this is all very encouraging. And then Jesus starts talking about being pruned, right? Yeah, not in your strength. But then Jesus starts, about, starts talking about being pruned. Hey, Reese, can you do me a favor? Can you just put maybe the first verse up? And maybe you'll have to flip with me here for a moment. Jesus says, I'm the, I'm the grapevine. I'm the true one. If we read this like we read our passage last week, y'all remember the passage about, about the good shepherd? Uh, if there's a good shepherd, what does that mean? There's bad shepherds, right? If there's a true grapevine, what does it also mean? There's some false ones. Yeah. Yeah. Look what he says. My father cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do produce fruit. Stop. Uh, Did you all notice what Jesus just said there? Everybody's getting pruned. Everybody's getting cut. Like branches that don't produce fruit. You're like, well, that makes sense. You know, they're not producing fruit. Let's cut them. Let's get them out of here, right? That makes a lot of sense. Like let's, let's up our game, you know? But then Jesus right on the heels of that says, oh yeah, and the vines that do produce fruit, they're gonna get cut too. Like good news this morning. Everyone's getting cut. Everyone's getting cut. And here's who's doing the cutting. God is doing the cutting, you know? God is doing the pruning. Every single person in the room, especially disciples of Jesus, will be reduced by the Father. Not to harm you, not to harm you, but so that more will come. That's why, right? You know, not to, not to, not to beat you up or to abuse you, but everyone gets cut and it's for the purpose of producing more fruit and I just want to flip the words around here a little bit morning, this morning. I want, to talk, I want to talk about having our life reduced rather than just pruned, because I think this is a good image for us. Like we just hear pruning and we just think, ah, oh, you know, plants, whatever. But what does that mean to me? Here's what it means. It means feeling like, or even in actuality, having your life reduced. Like something in your life that was really fruitful and was meaningful to you and, and was like a blessing to other people, at some point, God, not the devil, not, not bad people in Campbellsville, you know, not like idiots in the line at Walmart. <laughs> but at some point, God will be the person who will take the things in your life that bless you and bless others and reduce it. God will do this right? I mean, think about what he's saying here. He says, even branches that do bear fruit, they're going to get cut so they'll produce more. And by the way, what is fruit? Like everything here is parabolic, right? What is fruit? Well, uh, fruit is a bunch of things, but especially, especially in the Bible. And when Jesus is talking about it, like fruit is that thing. Like if, if, if Jesus is the vine and you're the branches, uh, how many of you know the fruit's not for you? Fruit is for who? others right like like fruit is is the other thing it like and not only that but fruit is the sweet thing right fruit is delicious it's attractive so that thing in your life 
that has, that has come from your connection to Jesus, that has served you and then has spilled over and has become like attractive and delicious and sweet and, and nourishing. Nourishing, that's the other word I was looking for. For other people, God will be the person who will eventually come in your life and he will reduce it. Like the thing right now you're most proud of, eventually God will reduce it. Why? So there can be more. The Father will reduce things in our life oftentimes, and he'll do it to strengthen it. He'll do it to bring about a stronger and a better harvest. I'm glad Justin is here this morning. Um, Justin, in the vineyard, we prune it how many times a year? Once a year. And why do we do it? So it's better. And, and what are we trying to do when we're pruning that vineyard? We are concentrating the fruit. We didn't talk about this, and he gave the right answer. This is great. <laughs> this is great. Sometimes you ask questions, you don't know what's coming, right? Yeah. That's exactly right. One of the, the main thing that pruning does in the vineyard is it concentrates fruit. Because here's what grapevines want to do. They want to produce canopy, and then they want to produce more canopy. And when you prune the vineyard, you're reducing all of the canopy down to zero. And now all of the strength that is in that root system, right? Uh, at this point in our vineyard, the, the vines are 14 and some are 15 years old. So there are 15-year-old root systems in the Kentucky soil, right? And every single year we bring the canopy down to baby, right? And so what we have is we have this vine that's this big around and a root system that is probably bigger than the canopy. At this point, uh, part of what we've been learning from some of our conversations with UK is that at this point, we probably have some tap roots that are 15 and 16 feet down, wow. right? It's, it's literally going straight down. There's these giant root systems. And when we reduce that canopy to nothing, the strength of that singular vine is being forced into these very small and very few canopies right? And when we do that, we're also doing this. We're, we're actually disallowing the vine from putting all of its strength into just growing more canopy. Nope. We're going we're gonna to save the power, the engine of that vine. We're going to put it into a, we're going to put it into a smaller canopy and we're actually going to put it into fewer grapes because those grapes will become more concentrated. They will not be diluted. They will not be, they will not be dissolved and, and here's the other thing that pruning does. Pruning allows you to not only set the harvest, but pruning allows the harvest to ripen evenly. And so when all those grapes show up, and by the way, it's almost too perfect. Like, like it's, almost, it's almost too much. But the fruit shows up right where, this is it's so beautiful. The, sh the fruit shows up right where uh, the branch meets the vine. That's where the fruit is. It's like right where, right where there's a connection. Like if you could distinguish it, you can't. But if you could, that's where the fruit is. And it's all the way down the vineyard right there. And when you prune, you'll not only get a harvest, but the harvest will ripen evenly. There won't be some that'll be early and then some that'll be late. No, it ripens evenly and it's concentrated and it's deep and it isn't dissolved. This is why you prune. Like the father wants to reduce some good things in your life so that you'll get more good things and so they'll be more concentrated and so they ripen evenly and so that they can be a blessing to the world. The Father is the one who is sometimes doing this work. And by the way, I also want you to know this morning, 
the reason the father wants to, to prune your life uh, is this. Uh, the father is not making yellowtail. The father is not making grocery store wine. Uh, let me think of some other wines that you see at the grocery store at Target. Josh, you know that wine? You know that, that Napa cab? It's like Josh. It's, got a, it's like a nice looking label. He ain't making that. Uh, uh, the, the, the father is not, he's not making purple toad. He ain't making that stuff, dude. Uh, anybody else have a brand they want to throw out? Franzia. Nothing in a box. He, he's just not doing it. The father is not making yellowtail. Uh, the father is not making... Any wine label that you've ever, set, ever seen that was cute, he ain't making it. Anything that's served at bachelor parties or bachelorette parties, he ain't making it. You know? Uh, any wine label that has jewels on it he ain't making it no no here's what the father is making the father is making first growth bordeaux he's making first growth bordeaux Uh, let me tell you something you know how many first growth bordeaux there are in the whole world five that's it there's five those are the best that's all there is you know Uh, the father is making screaming eagle do you know what screaming eagle is Screaming Eagle is a Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley, and uh, no one here can buy it. Even if we get together, we probably can't buy it. Even if we get the money to buy it, we can't buy it because there's hardly any of it. It's like, it's like, it's unbelievable. You just can't get it. Like, they, they sell these on futures now, and Screaming Eagle regularly goes for four and $5,000 a bottle bought on the futures market. And here's what that means. It means people are paying four grand a bottle for it and it hasn't been made. It literally hasn't been grown. We don't even know if it's going to be a good year, right? That's the kind of stuff the father is growing. The father's growing Harlan Estates. Harlan Estates. You should go look at that one as well. Look at that, you know? The father's growing Petrus. You know what Petrus is? Petrus is what Bono drinks. It is. It's literally what Bono drinks. Like if you see Bono drinking wine, he's drinking Petrus. That's what the father is making. He's not making yellowtail. And because of this, he has to prune. The father has to prune. He wants your life to be first growth Bordeaux. He wants your life to be something that is more. So here's what that means. Sometimes things get pruned. Uh, And here's what that means in practical terms. Uh, Maybe some of your opportunities are going to dry up. You think it's, you you think, oh, uh, something changed and my opportunities dried up. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Or maybe the father is pruning. Or maybe it was like this. Maybe you used to be a big deal. Or maybe lately God has been saying, I need you to lay a thing down. Or maybe some piece of your life that at one point was really visible has now been removed. Maybe, Maybe you used to be like really visible in this one way and kind of a big deal, and now it's like it's gone or something. Well, it could be pruning. Maybe there's some piece of glory that's just gone, some noticeable thing. Or maybe you've had seasons of fruitfulness and now you feel barren. Or maybe on the outside you look great and the canopy is still there, but there's no grapes, you know? That's another thing that happens too. Like 
you, you were fruitful. And, and maybe now if you were to think real closely, like you, if you could see yourself from the outside, which is sometimes hard to do, you look around and you go, wow, I got a nice canopy, but there's really not much fruit there anymore. Well, this is a time for pruning. And here's the good news about the father's work. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he, hey, listen, if your life gets reduced because of God, bring it. He know, he's not an idiot. God does not let idiots in his grapevines. Well, I mean, it's in the parable, right? Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and my father prunes the vineyard. He doesn't even, he did, again, I hope you noticed, from last week and this week, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, right? Jesus, he even goes on to say, uh, I'm not a hired hand, right? He will not farm out the tending of his sheep, and the father will not hire out the tending of his vineyard. Jesus and the Father, they do this work themselves. And so if your life is getting reduced by God, you can know this, that it was good. He knows what he's doing. He will not let a hired hand idiot into his vineyard and ruin things. He knows what he's doing. And he's working toward harvest. And here's the other thing about pruning that I need everybody in the room to know. Pruning is regular work. It's not the exception. It's the rule. We prune the vineyard every year. Now here's the good news. We don't prune the vineyard every week. We don't prune it even every month, but we do prune it every year. You should expect your life to be reduced, not once, but many times, many, many times. In fact, look for it. It's regular work. Every single year we do this. God's going to prune everyone here who wants to be a disciple of Jesus, not one time, but many times. In fact, in fact, it would be good for us to begin to ask God, God, would you prune everything in, li- in my life that doesn't produce fruit? And God, the things that have produced fruit, I give you permission to come and prune again that it could be more fruitful. Like just lean into it, lean into it. But here's what I wanted to get to. Get to. Jesus says, remain in me. Jesus says, remain in me. And I hope you noticed this morning in our passage that seven times in eight verses, he says the word remain. Over and over and over again, Jesus says the word remain. And of course, he's saying this to Peter and James and John. uh, And he's saying this to them specifically because they're about to get pruned. Right? I mean, he's already said in some ways in this passage, you've already been pruned. But there's a sense in which they're about to be pruned again. Right? So Jesus is saying this before he's crucified. He's saying this before the action really takes off. And over and over again, he's saying to Peter, James, and John, and the other guys, Andrew, he's saying, remain in me. Why? Because there's a pruning coming, and they will be tempted to not remain in Jesus. You know? In a moment, their life would be reduced. Specifically, Jesus would be crucified. And by the way, this is the Jesus who had been three and a half years winning everything, you know, healing every disease, casting out every demon, walking on the water and multiplying food. And here in just a few moments, Jesus is going to be killed. And those disciples are going to receive the biggest pruning of their life. And what does Jesus say? He says, remain in me. Remain in me. Here's what it means to remain in Jesus. Well, it means this. Some people get pruned and then they get disappointed. You know, the father reduces some part of my life. Even though I'm connected to Jesus and then sometimes disappointment sets in, especially if we're like leading, you know, 
if you're leading something and then God prunes it and maybe you don't get to lead it anymore or take something away, oh man, disappointment can set in. And not only that, but just this season that we're in, and by the season I mean like, I think about it, it's probably been for 10 years, but especially for the last six or seven, we've been in this extended season here in America where people inside the church and especially Christians and especially people who have grown up in the church, we've been in a long season where lots of people have been reconsidering every single thing about their faith. People have been, people have been thinking again about what it means to be a Christian. And honestly, I think this is good. And, and here's, here's one of the things that's happened in the last six or seven years inside of the church. Uh, if you want to use the word deconstruction, fine. I'm fine with that. But people have been reconsidering everything. They've been reconsidering like what is sin and what does it mean? They've been reconsidering like what is faith and what is trust? And people have been reconsidering like atonement. And that's just like uh, all atonement means is like what does the cross mean? Like did Jesus have to die and what is the death of Jesus? And like who made Jesus do that? And did the father kill Jesus? And, and what is that all about? People have been reconsidering that uh, they've been reconsidering the tradition that they grow up in. Like some of you are here because this feels very free to you and it feels very free to you here because you grew up in a very, very like, maybe like highly structured tradition. And so you come to the vineyard and you're like, wow, this feels really good. And then you start reconsidering everything you grew up with. Uh, and people ask all kinds of questions and listen, y'all, all of these things need investigation. But to those who are reconsidering, people who are praying and thinking and really digging deeply into the internals of their faith, uh, here's what I want to tell you. Uh, don't let go of Jesus. Reconsider everything. Reconsider, like think, think again about what sin means. Think again about atonement, like whatever you thought atonement was. Think again about every single thing. Think again about what you thought about heaven and hell. Maybe it works the way you thought, maybe it doesn't. Think again about like uh, the kingdom of heaven. Think again about who's in and who's out. Do all of that that you want to do. It's actually legal, by the way. Some of you are like super nervous about it. You're like, oh, this is illegal. Let me tell you, people have been thinking about this stuff for 2,000 years, and the church has a long tradition of like thinking and then thinking again. So if that's you right now, think again. But here is the word to us in this season. In this season, do not let go of Jesus. Life is being connected to Jesus. You want to reorient something? Fine. Reorient whatever you want to reorient. Do not reorient Jesus. Do not, that you, it, will be, it will be bad for us in the end. Uh, not only that, but there's a sense in which I believe that the American church is being pruned. And here's why the American church is being pruned. Because we told the world we were all about Jesus, but then they saw that we were really just deeply political animals. Right? We told the world that we were all about Jesus, and then what they found out is that we're mostly Republicans. Or in some cities, Democrats. And that we are mostly committed to a political party rather than Jesus. And the church is like, people on the outside were like, yeah, I don't believe y'all. And in the church right now is being reduced. And by reduced, I mean literally reduced in numbers because people figured out we weren't mostly about Jesus. We were mostly just about a political party. And they left. And that's a bummer, right? Uh, we told the world we were about Jesus. But then, but then what we showed them was that we, we were mostly unwilling to listen to people of color. You know, 
we told the world that we're all about Jesus, right? And then what we showed them for a few years, especially here lately, is that we're mostly unwilling to listen to black and Latino voices. And then to maybe a smaller extent, Asian American voice. And then they were like, screw this. This is not about Jesus, right? And so there's a reduction. Not only that, but we told the world we were mostly about Jesus. And then in certain areas of the church, uh, we've been super suspicious of women leaders. Now, thankfully, that's not a part of our vineyard story, right? Thankfully, it's not. But in some parts, it is. You realize, like, Beth Moore left her family church because of this suspicion, right? Like, so we've told the world all of these things. And right now, the church, especially in America, is undergoing, like, this reduction, you know? And, and I would just want to say this. Like, maybe, maybe, maybe we're being pruned. Maybe, maybe God is getting rid of branches that don't produce fruit. And there's a, there's a part in our hearts. Some of you are in here listening to me and going, yeah, that's right. He's reducing, he's reducing the branches that don't produce fruit. Wait a minute. Remember verse two. He's also going to reduce the branches that do produce fruit. So it's not like we can just get pumped about the one and not think it's coming for us as well. Right? But here's the good news. The father, I believe the father is pruning and this pruning is going to, he's going to take out unfruitful branches, but he's also going to reduce fruitful branches. And this is really good news because it means in the end that the, that the vine will be healthy and that a harvest will come. So I think that's what's happening right now. I think we've gone through a season of like radical deconstruction. If that's you, Good. If you're reorienting things, hey, great. Don't lose your connection to Jesus. I think the church in America is being radically reduced right now. I think unfruitful branches are being removed. I think the Father will also remove the fruitful branches so they can produce more. And this is good news. Every bit of it is good news. No matter how hard it is, it is good news because in the end, there will be a harvest. And you might be thinking, well, how do we remain in Jesus? Well, Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. He says specifically at one point, remain in me and my words, remain in my words. Let my words remain in you. That little, that little phrase there, Reese, you want to pull that up? This is where Jesus gets very specific. Yeah, look at this. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, underline that. That's where he starts to say, what does it mean to remain in him? Well, it means like, don't let go of Jesus. Like just in general, like church, don't let go of Jesus. No matter what's going on, don't let go of Jesus. Like he's the real deal. What fault can you find in Jesus? Don't let him. But then he gets specific and he says, if my words remain in you. Well, hey, you need to know the words of Jesus. You know, like, so number one, like read the gospels. How do we remain in Jesus? Number one, like read the gospels, but, but don't just read it be a disciple, do it, right? Do what Jesus says in his words. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, give in secret, pray in secret, fast in secret, forgive enemies. Not just forget, like, like what, what credit to you is it if you forgive people you already like? Uh, Jesus says it's no credit, you know? The credit is with forgiving our enemies. If somebody asks you to go one mile, how far are we going to go? Two, if somebody asks you for their cloak, what are we going to give them? We're everything. Like, hey, you want, we're, we're just going to give, right? That's, this is what it means. Uh, Jesus says that his father reigns on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
Yeah, we're going to do the things. Like, how do we remain in Jesus? We've got to remain in his words. And then, like, committed to doing the things that he says. Matthew chapter 25. This is a great, this is a great passage. Just like, this is as good as it gets. Like, you could have one chapter in the Bible, and you could throw the rest of the Bible away, and you'd still be in. Uh, this would be one chapter. Jesus says in Matthew 25, it's like sheep and goats. He says, if you gave me... If you gave someone who was thirsty a drink of water, if you gave food to the hungry, if you visited the prisoner or the sick, he says, he doesn't say you did it for me. He says that you did it to me. There it is. Remain in Jesus, remain in his words. And no matter what kind of pruning there is, there will be a harvest. And I just want to finish here because it is no good to talk about harvest It does no good to talk about harvest because harvest, having some grapes on the vine is never the point. Can I tell you, no one grows a vineyard so they can have grapes on the vine. The only way, the only reason you have a vineyard is because you want to make wine. That is literally it. You know what? That is the point. The point is the father wants to make wine. He doesn't want to just have grapes. He wants to make wine. And here's why, here's why nobody who plants a vineyard just wants to have grapes. Because when the grapes are ripe, they're good for about five days. And then it's over. But if we take those grapes that are good for five days, and if we collect them, and if we press them, and if we ferment them, and if we clarify it, and if we bottle it and put a label on it, how many of you know that it lasts forever? So you can take something that's temporal and make it into, again, we're going parabolic here, aren't we? Like Jesus ain't dumb, y'all. Jesus is saying, like, if you will remain in me, I'll remain in you. If you'll remain in my words, there'll be a harvest. And if there's a harvest, there'll be wine. And the thing that was temporal, you, will become what? Eternal. This is, this is a really big deal. Not only that, but wine is intoxicating. Uh, wine is full of joy. Like, Jesus is saying, if you'll remain in me and I remain in you, the intoxicating, joyful life that never ends, the life of the kingdom, will come to you. This is good news. This is good news. I always talk, I always like talking about intoxication at church. Because some people are like, I don't think he knows what he means. I can assure you I do. And I can assure you that is exactly what Jesus is talking about. There is a connection with God. I just want to say this. There is a connection with God that the only word that is good for it is intoxication. There is, a, there is a connection with Jesus that is possible for disciples and the only good word for it is intoxication. This is the life of the kingdom. Hey, Glenn, why don't you come on up? I think Emily's coming too. Yeah, come on. What do I want to say to the church this morning? I just want to say, remain in Jesus. Don't let go. You need to deconstruct? Okay, deconstruct. Don't let go of Jesus. Uh, you, you, you new to faith? Great. Wonderful. Don't let go of Jesus. Uh, has your life been pruned? Wonderful. Don't let go of Jesus. If it hasn't, it will be. Have you, have you coming through another season of pruning? Wonderful. Don't let go of Jesus. Never let go of Jesus. Uh, he won't let go of you. He, he says in John chapter 10, that's where I've been reading my Bibles lately, Uh, right after he says that good shepherd stuff, he says uh, about his sheep, he says, no one can snatch them from my hand. Don't let go of Jesus. Why? Because he uh, he will not let go of you. No one can snatch him from his hand. So that's the message this morning. We're going to remain in 
the vine. Why don't you stand up this morning? We're going to sing one time. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.